Hi, I'm Harry Wheeler, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast, and we've headed out the studio again this week, because it's FA Cup first round day, we thought we had to get out of the studio, so we've got reporters at Hitchin, Rob's down at Hitchin versus Solihull Moors, Richard Scott is at Charlie versus Doncaster, Tom was at Met Police versus Newport County, and uh, Chris Pratt is alongside me as well. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. Yeah, and we're here at Geisley, hoping for a potential upset against Cambridge United. And well, we haven't got the muddy pitch, Chris, but we've got the foul weather, haven't we? Yeah, and I was telling you before, Luke. I came up on the train in Leeds, which is about seven miles away. It's not even raining there, so I think the the weather has certainly read the script here because it's it's chucking it down, isn't it? Potential for an upset. St. Geisley haven't scored in the last four games. Of, uh, I think they lost three of those uh, against Cambridge side in form. Yeah, Cambridge are doing well, aren't they? And uh, well, I saw Geisley as, as we know on um, Tuesday night, and they've uh, they had a problem in front of goals. I think it's fair to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, a potential upset. What? As you said, Luke, the pitch is in absolute tip-top condition, and I think more than anything, the ball is going to skid off it. So plenty of long-range shots and things like that on the keepers, I think, early doors. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll keep you abreast of what happens during the match here, and we're also going to be hearing from uh, Phil Annett, who's uh, the FA Cup fat file. We, we fired some questions at him, and we found out about the history of why he set it all up. He spoke to Robert Aldershot on Saturday, Aldershot v Bradford. Uh, you'll hear about what happened there later on, and as I say, we'll get a reaction from uh, Hitchin and Solihull Moors, Charlie uh, against Doncaster, and uh, we'll also hear from Tom regarding Met Police and Newport County. And our step three features on King. Kingstonian as well. When Tom went down there during the week and got reaction from Lee Dynan, the manager of Kingstonian, and we'll also from Jody Bannim, Ashton United's manager Chris. Sorry, Ashton United against Geisley on Tuesday night. And you'll hear from Jody Bannim later on. The two teams are just coming out here for this FA Cup first round tie. Uh, Geisley versus Cambridge United both lining up uh, in front of us. Lots of excitement. The sun's come out now as well. Uh, we said about he's chucking it down with rain before, but now the sun's out. The two teams are just doing the handshakes as well. And of course, here like everywhere else across the country, we are having a couple of minutes silence to remember those who lost their lives a hundred years ago here on Armistice Day. Taken the lead, Will Hatfield is it, an absolute power into the corner, as soon as he hit it, Will behind it and it went in the bottom corner. Chris, what a strike that was. What a wonder strike, <laughs> he was dreaming of that last night, wasn't he? And he, he just hit it perfectly, the keeper got a sort of a fingertip on it, but couldn't prevent it from going in the top corner, what a strike. It's 2-0 to Geisley, the FA Cup upset is on, and it's the right back who scored for them, Cliff Moyo, he's probably been the best Geisley player on the pitch, he didn't mean it, he was trying to cross it in, he's a miss it cross, it went over the goalkeeper's head, but the 2-0 up, but Moyo's been Geisley's best player, hasn't he Chris? He's been awesome, he's got his head in the way of a shot about five minutes before, <laughs> he didn't mean it, but it doesn't matter because it found the bottom, well found the sort of middle didn't it, just loops over the keeper's head, I'm not sure that it might have got deflection the way the ball travelled but like I say it doesn't matter it's 2-0 and the shock is on it's not an underestimation to say guys they probably deserve it as well Chris yeah I think it's fair they have been the better team Cambridge have had a couple of chances but they have been the better team and they've taken advantage of the, of the chances half time here at Nethermore it's a guys at Cambridge United Wow, what a, what a f- it's been a really enjoyable game as well, Chris, hasn't it? And Geisley, as we said, deserve to leave. Yeah, I totally deserve it, Luke. They've taken the game to Cambridge. They haven't been scared, they haven't been afraid at all. And one thing I remarked to you was they look every bit as fit as Cambridge United, and we'll see that, as obviously, as the match goes on. But great start, and, you know, Cambridge could have had a couple, but they didn't, and Geisley took the chances. Yeah, Jabba Vieira missed a sitter at 0-0 for Cambridge, but before that, Geisley had a couple of chances, so um, it's not an undeserved lead in terms of the way guys have came out Chris we said they look like they were going to get an early goal and try and defend it well they've got a two goal cushion now haven't they yeah but they're not <laughs> defending it are they they're just carrying on playing as they were um, right throughout the half I don't know whether that will change after the half time chat it might do but uh, definitely good value for it 
saying Cliff Moyer got the second goal has been outstanding. He's been everywhere, any for guys. He has, and five minutes earlier he got his head in the way of a thunderbolt and um, it deflected it over the bar. He has been everywhere and he's been particularly impressive today for Geisler. What do you reckon second half, Chris? Is the shock on? <laughs> well, it's definitely on, isn't it? I mean, I think you've, you've just got to say carry on playing as you are. You'd expect Cambridge maybe to change their diamond formation because it's obviously not working for them. Yeah. And you'd expect them, you know, they've got a bit of professional pride to, to live up to and um, I expect yeah. them to come out firing. Yeah, diamonds aren't forever in this case, so uh, we'll see what happens in the second half. <laughs> But would you believe it? We were expecting a response from Cambridge, and well, it's guys who've come flying out the traps, and they've added a third through uh, Kane Felix, and he was pretty easy as well. He just got just uh, beat his man and put it into the bottom corner. And the, uh, the Cambridge media here were uh, they've just looked away in disgust uh, at that, Chris. And uh, wow, what a start for guys! And, and they've come out and, and been the better side again. Well, they've carried on doing what they were doing in the first half, haven't they? They've just uh, continued as they left off, and uh, wow, what, what I thought was great about that goal was the way Kane Felix plucked it out the air his first touch was immaculate and he uh, drilled it in the bottom corner yeah there's, there's other shocks happening around the country but this could be the most uh, well comprehensive one so far so we'll, we'll see how it goes well 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 it's 4-0 Chris it's fair to say guys look like they're going to score every time they go forward don't they they really do at the minute and uh, I don't think Cambridge can come back for this can they there's only half an hour left to do something amazing here but yeah. guys they've been awesome absolutely awesome been, haven't been overawed in any way shape or form and in the second half it's been almost too easy for him you don't know the difference or there's a, an agricultural foul there and it's only going to be a booking I think yeah it's just going to be a booking but actually showing Cambridge's frustration now it's been too easy hasn't it Chris <laughs> well it's been too easy for guys like, uh, I think you're right there and um, they'll be absolutely fuming on that Cambridge bench won't they this, this is not it's embarrassing really yeah. isn't it it's not the performance they've of been the outplayed haven't they yeah they have yeah definitely um, and it is Geisley playing well rather, yeah. but it is also Cambridge not playing very well well Cambridge got a goal back and it was a, a really weird goal it was just a cross in and the goalkeeper Joe Green didn't really gather it and uh, the goal's been given to a beer yeah, Green pushed it into the path of someone it looked like it may have bounced off a geyser play but it's been given to a beer and they've got one back and there's ironic cheers even from the, the Cambridge fans as that went in there's still about 20 minutes to go and um, a slight glimmer of hope for Cambridge another goal back for Cambridge it's 14 now George Barrissey who has spent time on loan here at Geisley has got one back um, probably too little too late now for Cambridge we're into the last minute now and I think it's still Geisley's game uh, and they're going to be in the second round well it's 4-3 here now John Ribeiro's got one in injury time there's five minutes of stoppage time and all of a sudden Cambridge will believe that they're going to get a replay out of this now Oh, it's going to be a... It's, it's making the game look closer than it's actually been. So I'm here for the NL full-time with Cliff Mario, the Geisley right-back. We've just seen him, Geisley beat Cambridge United. Now, Cliff, you didn't get the official man of the match, but uh, me and Chris the pod thought you should have got it. I mean, you're unbelievable. In that first half, you set the tone with a couple of early tackles, you got your heads on things, and then you topped it off by scoring a second, shall we call it a goal, <laughs> even yeah. though it was a cross. But um, yeah. that first half, you're unbelievable. No, I appreciate that. But to be honest, it's a, it's a team game, isn't it? And I think everyone was pretty much man of the match in my eyes. Um, I know for myself, I felt I had a good game, so it's always a bonus when you start well. There's a few good challenges at the start, and it, it sets some momentum going. And the, the lads were top draw, and I'm absolutely delighted for Will and, and Kane and a few of us as well getting their goals. So mm. we're just uh, on to the next round. So it's, it's that little bit of FA Cup magic, isn't it? Definitely. And the key to it was the, the fitness. I mean, you looked almost fitter than Cambridge at times, and you kept up with them until more or less the end. Yeah, I think from what we've seen, I think we started off really well, and I don't think they expect us to start that well and it's one of them we train hard every week uh, the manager Marcus and Russ uh, they're on top of us to keep fit every game even if, you, if even if the lads that didn't start you can tell the likes of Lewis coming on do you know what I mean they look sharp they look ready they look strong so there wasn't there wasn't much in it to be honest and I think we stepped up and showed what we're about yeah I mean what happened at the end it seemed you were cruising and then they got a goal back and all of a sudden it was uh, it was really nervous then wasn't it yeah <laughs> do you know it's, it's concentration when he gets to them kind of stages of concentration and that's the final margin sometimes with uh, with with the football league teams in the non-league and uh, do you know what we made it a little bit difficult but was, was glad to get the win in the end just tell us about the season because coming into today I don't think you'd scored in four games had you as a team uh, you hadn't scored from open play and then you're going 4-0 up unbelievable at times isn't it yeah I think if you watch the last two games it's just been the final margin the last final third yeah. and that's what we've been concentrating on in the last couple of training sessions and today actually paid off you know uh, like we, we've managed to get the balance
punished in the last two games and been unlucky where we couldn't really punish teams. And I think today we did that. In terms of the season, you're kind of mid-table. Do you think you're ready to push on now? I mean, obviously, that's the, that's the big thing now. You're going to celebrate today. But is it getting the focus back onto your next game now? Yeah, do you know what? Like We're more than ready. We just need to cancel out the little silly goals, should I say. I think if you watch our performances, it kind of... It's, it's proofs in the pudding really where we're not doubting ourselves about our ability we know we should be up there yeah. and finally who do you want in the next round everyone's talking about Sunderland do you just want anyone here I suppose I haven't thought about that yet. I'm just going to enjoy it for today <laughs> and I'll worry about it tomorrow yeah. on Monday brilliant yeah. thanks a lot cheers so we said at the start the rain was coming down the sun came out and the sun certainly shone at Geisley we're just on our way back now to the studio but I'm here with Chris and Chris um, well the only upset on the Sunday that we've seen and uh, Geisley thoroughly deserved it in the end they absolutely deserved it. There's a few nervous moments at the end, wasn't there, in those last enough five minutes of injury time? Because Cambridge did have four minutes to get one back, and all the momentum was with them. But the momentum was only with them yeah. in that last sort of ten minutes of the match, and uh, thoroughly deserved in the sunshine. In yeah, the end. And it was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it flattered Cambridge four-three in the end. Even the Cambridge lot admitted that. And if they'd have blown a whistle at, after an hour at four-one, I don't think they could have complained, could they? Yeah, it'd have been <laughs> embarrassing if they if they had got a goal for four-four. It would uh, they've almost been apologetic, I think, <laughs> wouldn't they? Because they didn't. I mean, you know, no reflection. Maybe four-one yeah. is a is a fairer reflection on proceedings. But Geisley were. Amazing today. I mean, that was the complete FA Cup performance yeah. by a non-league team, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, we'll, we'll get onto it later. But you saw them at Ashton midweek, and you, you weren't expecting that performance today, were you? No, I didn't <laughs> see that coming. Um, don't get me wrong; they were they were good at Ashton in midweek. They created a lot of chances. You just didn't score any, and Ashton Ashton scored their chance. But I didn't see this coming. I think I expected to go there today and see him put up a strong performance, but um, be overcome by a, a stronger. Um, Cambridge team but not to be today right well we'll, uh, we'll get back to the studio and we'll round up the rest of the FA Cup action for you so here we are back in the studio after our, our little trip out to Geisley and we're going to look through the rest of the FA Cup uh, games but first of all Rob went up with a, a pretty special guy regarding the FA Cup he met up with Phil Annitz and this is what he had to say right it's FA Cup weekend again and FA Cup weekend I couldn't have a better guest this weekend it's Mr FA Cup fact file Phil Annitz. Phil, thanks for joining us here in a pub prior to the Aldershot Bradford game. Quick introduction from yourself, but just uh, tell us how it all started for you. Hi Rob, yeah, great to be here. Looking forward to the game this afternoon. Uh, well, it started when I was uh, when I was a child, to be fair, because uh, I've been following football and, and fascinated by football stats all my life. As a child, though, I didn't even know really much about non-league FA Cup. I knew about the FA Cup with the first round onwards. And uh, it's only in later life that I realised that uh, you know, the, the actual competition started all the way back in August. And um, I'm a big Leeds United fan, sorry to say that out loud, but I, but I am. And I, uh, I used to go and watch them a lot, uh, so that sort of took a lot of my time. But then as the football itself started to get a bit too much commercial and I kind of couldn't really afford it nor was I interested in that kind of uh, way football was going I started to go into non-league games and it's when I started going to non-league games around actually funny enough around the Aldershot and Surrey and Mitchett was where I lived area um, I got to realise that the FA Cup was also uh, happening in August September time yeah and, and, and basically Phil that's part of what makes it surely the best football competition in the world isn't it Oh, definitely. I mean, you only have to go to a, a non-league FA Cup match to find about all the excitement, all the the, the, the players, the fans, the coaches, the, the owners, the chairman. Every one of them raises their game. And I've had some fantastic experiences by going off to uh, non-league games in the FA Cup in August, September, meeting great characters and seeing all that enthusiasm. It's a shame that that enthusiasm isn't continued throughout all the way through until the final. Well, actually, it comes back in the final, but until then, there's not a lot from the top teams in terms of the same kind of passion. And uh, just for this little section two, Phil, any uh, of our followers on the NL full-time podcast that, by some miracle, haven't seen you on Twitter, uh, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, you can catch me on at FA Cup Fact File. Um, I've been there doing that for about three years now, and I've just actually tweeted today about my blog as well, which is on WordPress, FA Cup Fact File on WordPress, and I've just had my 100,000 reader today quite appropriate on a first round weekend I think that's quite fantastic that's a fantastic uh, landmark for you right throughout the podcast this weekend 
we're going to hit Phil with a question from each of us on the podcast team and we'll intersperse them throughout the show. So we'll uh, speak to you again in a bit, Phil. Okay, I look forward to that. I hope I've got the answers for you. So that was Phil Annett and we each asked him a question as well. See if you could answer it. I'll see if we could catch him out. And here is the very first question. Right, I'm back with Phil Annett, Mr. FA Cup Fat File. You came into this when you, you lost your job, didn't you? Uh, and you had a little bit more time on your hands. That's how it really started. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I find myself out of uh, permanent work. And uh, I thought, why why don't use the time productively and try to complete my database and, and knowledge of all the FA Cup records? And that's what I did. And now, listeners, we're going to put that knowledge and that database to the test each of us on the podcast team have come up with one question for phil and the first one is from tom lang and that is apart from spurs what is the furthest a non-league club has progressed in the fa cup phil okay yeah well obviously spurs famously won the fa cup back in 1901 as a Southern League club, but they're not the only non-league club actually to appear in the final. Uh, in just the second season of the Football League itself, Sheffield Wednesday, then known as the Wednesday, actually made it all the way to the final where they met Blackburn Rovers. Unfortunately, they got well beaten 6-1 in what is the, now the second biggest ever defeat. But either side even of Spurs winning the, the actual FA Cup, Southampton had got to the final in both of the 1900 and 1902. But again, they were unfortunate and they weren't able to, uh, to win. So, you know, we've had four uh, finalists uh, from the non-league world, but in more recent times, obviously, it's a bit more difficult for non-league clubs to get that far, but we did see a fantastic performance from Lincoln City just a couple of years ago, where they went all the way to the quarter-finals, and that hadn't been done for over 113 years, so that was a fantastic achievement. They ended up losing at Arsenal, but they gave a lot of credit to the non-league world. So there you go, a fountain of knowledge there. We're going to come back to Phil later on in the pod with some more questions but Chris, we're going to head back to Saturday and look at some of the, the games that unfolded there. And I think the biggest one of the round is obviously Stockport County because not only did they win, they were away from home as well. They went to Yeovil and, and got a result down there all the way down in Somerset. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Stockport County's form has been picking up of, of recent weeks. But still, I mean, I'm very optimistic about Stockport County and I still thought that travelling down to Yeovil would be a really difficult game especially going one down as well and they came back and that is that could be a signature victory for Stockport County that could be a victory that, that really puts a good feeling back at the club and, and, and starts sending them back up the league Yeah I mean Matty Warburton scored and also Niall Bell and uh, yeah, as you say it's, it's, it must be frustrating for Stockport fans a little bit that they can struggle against someone like Nuneaton but then beat the likes of Charlie in the league and then win away at Yeovil maybe the higher up they go maybe it suits the way they play yeah I think recent weeks though things things have picked up since that Nuneaton game I think that was a that was a particularly disappointing game at Edgeley Park especially with Nuneaton uh, the form they've been in and if you look at the form of Nuneaton since then as well it hasn't been very good so the the point was really a highlight at Stockport County but definitely definitely one of the biggest shots and when Stockport County do get it right they can play really, really good football they have got some really good players there you know, to win by two goal cushion away from home I think it's definitely the def- well it was the result of Saturday I would say yeah, because as we spoke about already, the result of Sunday was was Geisley, the game that we were at earlier on. Uh, some of the games on Saturday as well, where there was a bit of a shock, was Southport, who are bottom of the National League North at the minute. They beat Boreham Wood by two goals to nil, and uh, Gilchrist, Jason Gilchrist, got on the, the score sheet there. And who'd have predicted that? No, I don't think I don't think anyone would, would they? Be, but um, Southport did surprise us uh, beating Kidderminster recently as well didn't they I think when that when that tie comes out the hat that's not a tie that Boreham would want it's not a tie that Southport want so both teams would have been disappointed by that Southport obviously wanting a, a bigger name or a, a league club but they've gone out there and they've done the business and I think it's significant that, uh, that Jason Gilchrist is firing again got the second goal in that game Some other results there I don't know whether you call this a shot but Maidstone beating Macclesfield at home I know Macclesfield are in the football league but they're, they're really struggling and Maidstone down towards the nether regions of the National League yeah, I think that's a technical shock, isn't it, rather than an actual shock? Because I don't know what the, the book bookmakers' odds were before that, but I bet those two teams were quite closely matched in terms of the the, the bookmakers' odds. But you know, Maiden still needed to go there um, to 
to beat them, and and they did beat them in the. Um, by all accounts, they did beat them fair and square in the end. Yeah, and then the game Rob was at was all the shot against Bradford. And it, lots of people were tipping this to be a, a shock, and they took the lead early on through George Fowler on twelve minutes and. It did look like that it was going to be a shot with Bradford's form the way it's going, but uh, Nathaniel Knight-Percival equalised for Bradford City on 71 minutes, and it means they have to do it all again, and maybe a slight tinge of disappointment for all the shot in the end. Yeah, I think they will be. Obviously, when you go 1-0 up in a game like that and they were ahead for, for nearly an hour, you're disappointed if you, if you come away and you haven't got the, the result, but... Do you know, well, I still think Aldershot might have a chance in the replay. I know it's a long journey, it's going to be a midweek game. By all accounts, by the way, the conditions there were absolutely appalling and I've heard that from a few different yeah. people now. You know, neither team would have enjoyed playing in it, but an Aldershot with an excellent record in the FA Cup. Chesterfield against Billericay, two sort of contrasting styles and two sort of contrasting teams, one on a one on a real down at the minute, one on a real up, Bill Ricky are looking to get into the National League. Chesterfield who were sort of swimming around the lower reaches of the National League and despite taking the lead through Lawrence Maguire they were pegged back yeah they were and there's another side that will be disappointed that they didn't finish off uh, especially against lower league opposition and that's going to be a difficult game at Billericay that'll be really tough for Chesterfield because Billericay will be well up for bringing them down won't they and Chesterfield you know their indifferent season carries on doesn't it I mean you're guessing that would be a TV replay as well Bill Ricky against Chesterfield potentially and I know Chesterfield aren't a league side anymore but you'd see it as maybe it's, well it's basically being upset wouldn't it well do you know what though looking at it there could be quite a few TV replays um, there we've got uh, you've got the Aldershot Bradford game that we've just spoken about Cheltenham v Ebbsfleet is quite attractive Gillingham Hartlepool there's some some decent games there yeah it's a good result that for Hartlepool actually we know they've been in uh, in different form recently so to go down to Gillingham and get a draw they'll be really pleased with that and keeping a clean sheet and they'll fancy themselves in the North East Gillingham won't fancy going up to Hartlepool on a Tuesday evening will they? No and they deservedly got a draw from all accounts in that one as well and just by going off the, the report on the BBC website and it also says that um, Liam Noble wasted the best chance to put his side into the second round and that's someone who you back every week but it's also someone who will be really important in that replay because we know that when Liam Noble plays well Hartlepool tend to play well Question number two then for Phil Annett and his FA Cup back file Phil question from me which non-league team has qualified for the first round proper the most times uh, that's a very good question yes uh, well like uh, so many other FA Cup records including most goals scored most different opponents the non-league club with a record number of first round appearances is actually Ketchering Town and they've achieved it on 51 different occasions um, they've won through on 15 of those occasions but unfortunately not so much on, on um, 36 but they have gone all the way to the fourth round in the, in the past on a couple of occasions prior to uh, uh, Kettering Town actually Yeovil Town were the non-league team who were most commonly in the first round and they'd actually gone 49 times before they were actually elected into the uh, or promoted into the EFL itself so by getting promoted to the EFL they robbed themselves the opportunity of completing the round yeah, that's right. well done Yeovil so looking on Sunday's fixtures then at Fleetwood they won comfortably at Alfreton in the end and Wrexham they went down to Western Supermare and didn't get an upset there either Salford they got a draw at Shrewsbury is that a surprise Chris? Yeah I think you've still got to put it as a surprise aren't they Shrewsbury are, um, are you know doing really well in recent seasons as well so even though Salford you know have got the the team at the moment they've got a cracking squad of players at the moment um, I don't know I think I mentioned it before on the podcast about how impressed I am with, with Tom Walker at the moment at Salford but you've also got um, Gaffney who's doing well there and uh, you've always got you know Danny Lloyd and and the rest of them as well and, and so I think that's a good point and I think again Shrewsbury uh, at Salford City is going to be a really interesting tie that could be another TV one another TV one potentially could be Doncaster against Charlie Charlie were 2-1 were two one, two one up against Doncaster and they were pegged back late on also were, were down to 10 men Courtney Weapon Walter scoring the second for Charlie and uh, Rich Scott he caught up with the Charlie man in the match goalkeeper Matt Irwin after the game so with Matt Irwin uh, goalkeeper Charlie uh, what performance during 2-2 with uh, Doncaster and some might say that you probably deserve to have uh, won, the, won the game 
Um, yeah, um, obviously we just didn't know, obviously hampered us a little, but you know, it was an honest challenge, I think, just, just going over the ball a tad, but that's what Charlie's about, he's an honest lad and it's just it's a mistake, he didn't really mean to do it, but anyway, um, on the balance of play, you know, I think before that, I think we were well in the game, um, after that, obviously, we probably got on top, to be fair, and we made our luck at times, but, you know, that's the magic of the FA Cup. Yeah, and the magic of the FA Cup, and what a start. 90 seconds was on the clock when Josh O'Keefe headed the ball and delighted for that start then. Yeah, it was something that's been worked on. Um, just one of my really good friends, so I was really happy for him to score. Um, got it well and put it in the back of the net. Yeah. And 12 months ago, uh, you couldn't play, so you must have been delighted to have got that chance of playing on the, in the first round of the FA Cup. Yeah, of course. I mean, I played it once before uh, against Millwall for five. Um, so that was a great experience as well, but obviously it was great today. Uh, from the Pat VP, it was really good, uh, really good atmosphere, and everyone got round us. So it was good. Thank you to Doncaster in a week or so time. Uh, nothing to lose and nothing to fear. You're going to the keep mate. Why not? Like I said before, the Magic could be a third court. Give it a go. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Next idea, a big one. Killing straight away, uh, hoping to get back onto winning ways. Performance today should help uh, and get back up to the top of that table. Yeah, of course. Um, could it be a tough one? But, you know, we'll give our best to go. So that was Charlie goalkeeper Matt Irwin and you imagine he'll be a busy boy in the replay as well, Chris. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But for Charlie to hold uh, you know, League One Doncaster is brilliant, especially because Charlie the last few matches have lost the form that they had at the start of the season. I mean no one could get anywhere near them, could they, in the first ten, twelve matches and since then they've gone on a, a bit of a, a barren streak but um, so for them to, to hold Doncaster I think you've got to say it's possibly one of the results of the round as well yeah it'll be interesting to see how Charlie approached the uh, the, the replay because we know they're good away from home as well and well organised aren't they yeah absolutely they are very well organised and I think it says something that the keeper got man of the match though so he's either pulled off a couple of heroic really important saves or he's, he may have been uh, bombarded during the game we're not sure uh, one thing I do one thing I did want to point out on, on that Chorley result is that Chorley I think I've just read a tweet bear with me on this and it, I don't know that it stands up to scrutiny but I've just read a tweet that says that there's four National League North teams who are below 10th in the league who are in the hat for the next round so that tells you something about the strength of the league well, yeah I mean we were chatting about this at Geisley today weren't we Chris saying does it show the strength of the National League North and how tough it is I mean you look at your Yorks and you stop put a drop into it and think they're going to walk it but a lot of teams are evenly matched there's a lot of money knocking around the training's a lot better and um, it is it is a really really strong league isn't it yeah no definitely by the way that tweet was Aaron Flanagan to uh, to reference it um, yeah no it is, a, it is a really strong league and uh, it has been for ages I remember a couple of seasons ago when it was so tight that it was uh, you know commentators were saying you know this could be one of the best leagues in the in the country at the moment in terms of competitiveness um, and we know that I mean we've, we've had the the audio about guys today but there was nothing between those two sides today apart from two divisions yeah really impressive we're going to uh, look at Barnet versus Bristol Rovers now they took the lead Barnet three Craig Robson it looked like they were going to uh, go on and win the game but it proved to be hard lines for Barnet as Chris Lyons equalised for Bristol Rovers and Bristol Rovers again another team who aren't in great form in the league and, and Barnet may well fancy the chances in that replay Yes, early sending off as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so definitely. I mean, Barnet seems to be adjusting to life now, don't they? And um, I think that is going to be a very tricky, tricky tie. I think I think all these ties in the FA Cup are, are difficult. I mean, I think with it being at Bristol Rovers, it could be a bit too much for uh, for Barnet in in that replay. But you know, excellent result. I think I think any team from from the National League who get a result against a league club have done, have done fantastically well. And we're going to come to Rob Worrell shortly. He he went to Hitchin versus Solihull Moors. But here's another question for Phil. Question number three for Phil Annett has uh, come from Chris Pratt. Not that one. Uh, uh, what is the largest disparity in league positions between two clubs that have met in the FA Cup? Yeah, that's a, that's a very difficult question to answer because uh, league structures have changed considerably over the years. However, there are a couple of notable head-to-heads of a lower league team versus a higher league team. Back in 1978, I think anyone who knows anything about the FA Cup will know about Blythe Spartans' terrific run. 
they were competing in the Northern League at the time, now now Tier 9, and they went on to beat Stoke City 3-2, who were playing in the second division at the time. So that's a massive gap. Wow. But going back even further, back to 1957, we had a team called New Brighton, who, who had been playing at a much higher level, but by then were playing in the Lancashire combination. And that's a, that's a level even below the Northern uh, the Northern League. And when they made it to the fourth round proper, they'd actually played uh, eight times already by then, and they ended up facing Burnley for first division. Unfortunately, not only was it their ninth tie, but they also let in nine goals and ended up losing 9-0. But still a fantastic achievement. And joining us now, we interviewed Phil Anich yesterday, and but to, on Sunday he was at Hitchin versus Solihull Moors. You went to top field, and unfortunately, Rob, you didn't see uh, an upset, did you? No, I mean, uh, obviously I have to be careful what words I use here, because I've I watch National League football, don't I? And Solihull Moors are a National League side. But, uh, of course, uh, being a neutral, you've always got that one eye on the underdog and was there's going to be a shock or not. You know, for long, long periods, there could have been. There was very little in it, nothing in it for 70 minutes. Solihull Moors had a little bit more of the ball, but Hitchin didn't look like conceding. Mike, uh, MJ in goal, Michael uh, Johnson, was very, very neat with his handling and... Uh, you know, he commanded his area really, really well. Um, and on the break, uh, Galliford looked really dangerous for Hitchin, but uh, they couldn't quite find the final pass, the final shot, um, and uh, they couldn't score. And then a penalty 20 minutes from time was tucked away by Yusuf. And then a nice finish right-footed across the goal from Danny Wright to, to wrap things up. And a, a solid professional away performance from uh, the higher-level team. Hitchin, well... They can dream again and start it all over again next year. I'm guessing, Rob, that any team who Solihull Moors pull out, if Solihull Moors pull them out at home, they won't fancy going down to Damson Park, will they? They won't. It was really interesting to watch the way Solihull Moors played today, though. Uh, almost from the outset, I thought they much more endeavoured to get the ball down and play. They were a little bit more direct in the second half. But I don't know, it was a bit experimental on their part, thinking that Hitchin would be all prepared for the... Uh, for the direct attack and actually they got the ball down and played quite a lot but that didn't break through and nothing did for Hitchin either so it was a bit of a stalemate for a long while fantastic crowd though there boys mm. Three over 3,000 I think 3,100 and something packed into top field and the you know everything was in play for that uh, exciting FA Cup tie but it never really ignited not like the one you were at, boys. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. We had a, a bit of an exciting day there in front of only the crowd was only one thousand and ninety-eight at Geisley, so nearly double that at Hitchin. But I know the picture you put on on Twitter was uh, you could see it looked packed, it looked jam-packed, didn't it, with yellow and green everywhere. Yeah, really, really big day in Hitchin's history, and uh, as I say, but for one or two key moments, it uh, it might have well gone to a replay itself, which would have been a a further achievement on their part but uh, well done to them and I think boys after the after the, the, the various FA Cup ties have been played so far now over the weekend I think Southport are now the lowest ranked side uh, left in the FA Cup and I know that's to be true because it's a stat tweeted by our man Phil and it's Cup well, who, who's to doubt Phil? And um, talking of Phil, here's another question that Rob posed to him on Saturday. And our fourth and final question from our podcast host, Luke Edwards. And uh, his question to you, which clubs have started in the extra preliminary round and reached the first round proper? How many clubs and, and how often? Yeah, it's a good question because everyone wants to know about the little teams. Back in the early days, uh, even the big team had to start off in the very first uh, qualifying round, so it happened quite a bit in those days. Uh, but since about 1925, we've got the current structure of the FA Cup, and it's not so easy to do that, that uh, achieve that feat. Uh, one of the early ones was a team called Southall back in 1935-36, and they even went all the way to the third round. They played in nine rounds in total. Um, second half of the 20th century we didn't even have an extra preliminary round so that was only reintroduced at the beginning of the 21st century and since then we've had half a dozen different teams that have managed to get through big town back in the early days of the 21st century Coval town managed to do it i think that was their debut season in the cup leaston have done it in 2809 we even had two teams do it in the same season in 2010 2011 tipton town and high town and the most recent one that we've had is a team called westfield from Herefordshire, who were there two years ago brilliant stuff well we we we, we couldn't fox him every question we came up with phil annitz came up with the goods well done phil thanks for joining us on this uh special FA Cup podcast uh, weekend and uh, we hope to catch up with you again at a later round this year. 
Yeah, brilliant. Thanks so much, Rob. Really enjoyed myself today. So another game we were featuring this weekend, we sent Tom Lang down to our friends at Met Police, and here is Tom now to let us know how it went against Newport. Hello, Tom. You right, Luke? Hi, Chris. How are you going? Hi, but, Tom. Yeah, it's a, a really good but wet afternoon down um, in East Molsey for the Met Police hosting Newport County. It was the first time either of those sides have met in their history. Met Police were trying their hand at the first round for the fifth time in their in their history, 99 years this year, um, and they've never managed to make it past the first round. Whereas Newport County since they returned to the Football League in 2013, have never failed to make it past the first round. So either both their records were going to change or both of them would remain unchanged. As it was, it was Newport County who progressed, beating their police 2-0 with goals from their two top scorers, uh, Jamil Matt and Parag Amund, um, who caused nightmares for the stadium PA announcer. Porig Hammond, to be honest, was the difference between the two teams, in my opinion. Um, it was the difference between having a good, proven Football League striker, um, because had he been on the other side, the Met Police would probably have been three goals to the good in the first half. Mm. Um, for the first 45 minutes, they were comfortably the better side, and the best player on the pitch was Joe Day, the Newport keeper, who was keeping the exiles in it, really. Max Blackmore had a great chance uh, with a headed opportunity at the back post, Ethan, uh, Ethan Chislett had a, had a really nice side-footed shot, but everything was just too close to the keeper and he was able to save it. Newport got their goals uh, just either side of half-time in the 41st minute and 48th minute. And I genuinely think that if the Met had been able to hold out for another 10 minutes of the second half, it could have been quite a different scoreline. Um, but Jamil Matt got into a shot which rebounded off uh, Met keeper Luke Williams, um, shot from Tyreek Backinson. Matt got in, got the second goal, and to be honest, all bets were off from there, really. Matt did huff and puff, but Newport played the second half pretty professionally, really, and managed to hold them at arm's length. It was it was game over in the 87th minute when Louis Birch, uh, the Mets holding midfielder, got a red card for a second yellow. He was holding Tariq Backinson, uh, gave away a free kick, and it was a bit of a confusing moment, really, as the ref gave him a yellow card, and then about 40 seconds later, later realised that equated to a second yellow and a red card and went and followed Birch around the pitch and gave him a red card. But yeah, it was a it was a good game. Um, the Met definitely did themselves justice. Um, and it's easy to forget after all the sort of tumultuous goings on in the summer with their manager and most of the squad losing, this is actually only the third game the Met have lost all season. They're down in 13th in the league, but they've got three games in hand. And if they can take six of those nine points, they'll be up joint with Tiverton Town in sixth place. It was interesting so to hear, Tom, as well, that you... Um... You were going to catch up with Gavin McPherson, but he was that disappointed that they'd lost. He, he didn't really speak to anyone, which is in, interesting, really, I suppose. And it's a good mentality to have that even though they've been beaten by a team with three divisions above him, he's still really upset that they've lost. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a winner, isn't he? And it's the old cliche, you don't get to a decent level of football without having a desire to win. And even step three is a good level of football. The people that make it there, managers and players, have overcome a lot of obstacles and a lot of competition through playing where they're playing. And I spoke to uh, Gavin at uh, just for a few minutes before the game kicked off and one thing he was keen to say was you know everyone keeps saying just enjoy the day enjoy the day we don't want to enjoy the day we want to win the match and yeah like I say in that first five minutes they really showed that they could and definitely should have been dead. nice one alright we'll speak to you soon cool cheers boys Catch you so that was Tom Lang on his take on the Met Police versus Newport County we'll be hearing from Tom again shortly as we look at our step three team of the week who are Kingstonian but just another FA Cup game to wrap up, Chris, and it was a Friday night, the first one of the weekend, when it Harringay Borough against Wimbledon, and Harringay more than held their own, and Wimbledon probably a bit lucky to win the game on the night itself. Yeah, they came so close, didn't they? And I thought, I thought it was a cracking match to have on the TV actually, and um, in front of the in front of the national audience, and they gave such a good shot at it, and they were just undone late on, weren't they? But I thought the support there was fantastic in absolutely terrible conditions mm. again. Yeah, it was a good advert for Selco and Screwfix as well, who were in the background all the time, the thatches on it. So I thought that was one of the other things to come out of it. But yeah, of course, um, it's, and it shows again the value of a player going up from non-league into league football. It was Mitch Pinnock, who's been at um, Dover the last couple of seasons. He scored the winner and was probably the best player for Wimbledon on the evening. Yeah, I thought that was telling, wasn't it? I thought it was a really fitting way. If someone was going to score, it was it was going to be him who has come up through through those divisions. And Wimbledon as well, you know, Wimbledon are one of the most famous giant killers ever, so they were nearly on the on the wrong side of one. Mm. 
And uh, one, one more tie which takes place on Monday, which is after we've recorded the podcast, is uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough versus Oldham Athletic. And Tommy's going to that, so we'll try and get reaction from that for you next weekend. Hi, I'm Tim Flowers, Sully Moore's Football Club, and you're listening to the National League Podcast. So we're going to have a quick look now at the National League North. There was six games on Saturday. But Chris actually saw Geisley previously before that at Ashton in their league fixture before the game against Cambridge and Ashton won by a goal to nil in the end and um, he had a quick chat with Jody Bannim after the game. I'm with Jody Bannim tonight and Jody, if ever there was a victory for hard work and graft and determination, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, we've, we don't lack work rate discipline at times. I think we've been a little bit open. Um, Obviously, after the after the Chester game and that little mini run we've been on, we've um, kind of I evaluated the way I set the teams up, etc., and stuff like that. And I think we've we've been a lot more solid from Saturday, and, and that work rate. We've changed a couple of players in there to give us that more energy um, and desire up and down to, to get behind the ball and and win the ball back um, when it's broken down. So you've seen that tonight. I think we've. We've played better football-wise. Uh, I thought it was a very scrappy game. I didn't think we didn't think we played the type of football we have all season. I think we've played better and not won. Um, but I'll take that. I, you know, after the run we've been on, to win ugly is is, is probably more pleasing than playing well. <laughs> now I noticed you didn't name a full substitutes bench tonight. Yeah. Is there injury problems? Yeah, there was. To be honest, we've we lost um, Aaron Chalmers on Saturday due to a hamstring injury, and then just before the game we lost Scott Kerr. You, we lifted a bag of cement up at work, so the, the joys of non-league football. Um, yeah, so obviously he's done his back in, so he couldn't play. And I'll be, I'll be brutally honest, if we bring players in from Saturday to Tuesday, we go massively over budget. So um, it was more of a, a, fa- a financial thing why we've, why we've not named a full bench. We have, do have players, but um, we have sent players out on loan. But again, it's like I said, we have to be frugal and we have to be, we have to be respectful of, of, of the football club and, and what kind of budget we've got, and, and, and that's kind of hamstrung us a little bit we had enough on the bench to, to change it uh, tonight which has which has worked out for us what's the aim for the season is it one place above that relegation zone or is it um, is it pushing a bit higher I don't know I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an internal optimist really um, right now we need to just move away from that relegation zone so that's I'm only looking towards Bradford really and, and, and every point we amass now between now and the end of the season is going to be massive for us listen I'm, I'm, I'm acutely aware of where we are within the ecosystem of, of the Conference North so if we stay up this season mid-table finish um, you know, I'd be more than happy with that uh, I think that's progress for us and gives us something to build on potentially next season but it's a, it's a tough ask you know, there's some massive football clubs and you've seen tonight we've probably not even broke 200 um, which, is a, which is a big problem for us as well because see other, other, they've got bigger infrastructures bigger crowds bigger budgets etc and stuff like that so we have to do the best with what we've got we've got a brilliant set of volunteers behind us you know we've we've got a great set of players who um, you know want to do well um, really keen they work really hard and we try and do the best we can with what we've got so to answer your question Let's just <laughs> let's just stay up. Um, I think that obviously at the start of the season I was hoping to push towards the playoffs, but I think I think for myself personally it's my second season, full season in management. So um, you know I'm still learning. I'm still learning about the league a little bit. It's a long time since I've been involved at, at this level. I'm finding out what it takes to be successful and and to win games and pick up points. So hopefully our evolution continues on an upward curve uh, as the season progresses good answer <laughs> cheers Jody <laughs> and that was Jody Bannon and it was really interesting we talk about obviously the glitz and the glamour of the FA Cup David versus Goliath it's a bit like David versus Goliath for Ashton in every fixture they play in the National League North when he talks about budgets and crowds yeah uh, but they maximise it don't they they may absolutely make the most of what they've got and if ever there was a, an advert for that it was that match on Tuesday night where they they had to dig in they played as a as a team a formidable team and, and guys that had more of the possession they had more of the chances but ended up on the losing side and Going on to what happened on on Sunday for uh, for guys, like I didn't expect that they would play so well. The other results, Ashton didn't play this weekend, but some in other interesting results in the National League North. Bradford Park Avenue they went top um, thanks to a draw at Curzon, and that was another game that you were at, weren't you? You saw Bradford take the lead, but were pegged back by Curzon. Yeah, I've been to a lot of games recently. <laughs> uh, yes, it was a game that I was at, and. Um, Bradford looked a, a top of the league team for the first 65 minutes of that game or however, however many minutes it took them to score and then when they did score they got a little bit nervous and 
Curzon hit back immediately and then Curzon could have gone on, on to win that match but I think on, on balance I think you know Bradford um, due to the recent form and due to another team who are maximising their potential and maximising their the squad that they have under a you know fantastic manager Mark Bauer, um, you know deservedly top of the league. Yeah, and the reason Bradford went top was because Kidderminster slipped up again. They could have gone top with Charlie not playing, as we know they were playing in the FA Cup, but they only drew one-one at Neaton Borough. Must be so frustrating being a Kidderminster fan. You know that your team is good enough. You know they're good enough to to get out of this league. You've probably known they've been good enough for the last few seasons. Yet they do have these games in them. They had that. They had that game against um, Southport. Well, it was obviously worse against Southport when they got beat. Was it four nil? Yeah, up against Nuneaton, who, as we know, are struggling. Although they've had good news, but it's still going to take them a bit of time to turn it around. It's. I think that's two points dropped, isn't it? And another team you could have flown up the table into second with Chester and they lost at home to Altrincham and it was interesting it was three ex Salford City players on the score sheet wasn't it for, for both sides Jordan Heen grabbing both goals there as Altrincham and they're in a really good run of form and to go to the, the Diva Stadium is a really good result yeah and they've got uh, they've got a rabbit in the heart in and Jordan Hume because he is a quality quality player and he, he tore it up last season in the Evo State Prem and he's, he's continuing and when you've got someone like that and you know you've got players who can who can feed it like Altrincham have they will get results like that I think they're up to 8th now but it's still a surprise going to Chester because since Chester's troubles mainly with the stadium you know at the beginning of the season the games that they've had to catch up on they've been excellent and that game obviously at Blythe that no one ever probably wants to speak about again <laughs> apart from that game um, they've been really good so I think that's fantastic it's probably a performance of the uh, of the day in the National League North and another performance of the day potentially is that FC United going down to Hereford and winning by three goals to one and Neil, Re- Neil Reynolds is really taking effect there isn't he? I think it says something that you're not surprised by that result at all because uh, I think since he's taken over I think I saw that you know they've won a few and I think they've drawn a couple as well so I'm not surprised at all with that and um, you know Hereford are struggling to uh, to find the feet this season I think they're in the bottom three and FC uh, one of the um, sort of rivals for that bottom three are, are beginning to work, the, work themselves out of trouble yeah and the other two games in the National League North were AFC Telford beat Boston by a goal to nil and Brackley drew 1-1 with Blyde Spartans in the National League South there was only four games played in the National League South. The most entertaining game was at Wheelstone, where they drew Wheelstone three each in the end. And Wheelstone, with a really late comeback, two goals from uh, Elliot Charles there, but got them level late on. Yeah, I feel like they've won that game, won't we? And it was an own goal that got them going. Uh, and interestingly enough, it was Anthony Straker, who, who seems to have scored in the 75th minute in his own in his own goal, as well as scoring in uh, the Wheelston goal in, in the same minute. I'm not sure that's quite correct, but that's what set Wheelston on the comeback trail. And, you know, they'll be delighted. That'll feel like a win, that. Indeed, it will. Two teams who are struggling to buy a win at the minute are Gloucester City and Hungerford. Gloucester went down 2 1 at Helmel Henstead, and Hungerford went down 3 1 at Eastbourne Borough. But. Truro, Chris, I mean, they played on Sunday as well. I mean, hats off to them. They keep battling away. They stayed out of the relegation zone by getting a really good win against Dulwich Hamlet down at Plainmore. Yeah, it's a cracking win. And it's one of those weeks, isn't it, where not all the teams play, so you really feel like you've made up a lot of ground, even though the other teams have got to play those yeah. matches again. And, uh, you know, absolutely cracking win that, wasn't it, on, on a Sunday? That was the look at the National League South. And as we do every week, we've got a step three team of the week. And this week, it's Kingstonian. And Tom's going to give us a bit more history on them. And then he caught up with the Kingstonian manager, Lee Dining, during the week. This week, our step three focus is on Bostick Isthmian League Premier Division side, Kingstonian FC. One of the most famous names in non-league football, I went along to watch the K's host high-flying Tunbridge Angels at King George's Field in Tolworth in midweek. Originally formed in Kingston Borough in 1885, the K's played their home matches at Richmond Road until 1989 when they moved to Kings Meadow in New Malden. Kings Meadow was their home which they shared with AFC Wimbledon from 2002 right up until Chelsea purchased the ground in 2016 and stipulated that Kingstonian were no longer allowed to play there. So, last season, Kingstonian up sticks and moved out of the borough for the first time in their history, playing their games out in Surrey at Leatherhead's Fetcham Grove. After a year at Fetcham Grove, which never really became home for the Kays, they've moved back to Kingston this year, playing their games in Tolworth, as I say, at King George's Field with Corinthian Casuals. 
Under the stewardship of Lee Dynan, in 10th place they are now, and only 6 points from the playoffs. They'll fancy their chances as their pretty expensively assembled squad starts to gel moving into the real winter period. I managed to sit down with Lee Dynan for a few words after the match. I'm sat here with Kingstonian manager Lee Dynan, Alan Dowski. He's got a really good reputation for what he did at Kingstonian. Mm. Um, and speaking to some of the fans around the game today, there's a bit of a view that you're the best manager they've had since Alan Dowson. You've been here for just over a year now. How are you finding it managing what I'd say is probably one of the biggest names in non-league football? When I first came in, um, I had to make a lot of changes. Um, it, the structure within the first team, in my opinion, wasn't the best. And I got to get my stamp on it. And I, think I came in and we had really 10 players at the time. There was a squad of 13, but we had like 10 Bostick Premier players at the time. And, and, and some of them weren't for me. And I think there's only two left. And that's um, Tolfs and um, Manu, Manu, the right back. I'm about to bring in some players. Last season, the pitch killed me last season at Leverhead. I played 4 4 2 and just couldn't get nothing down the sides. It was so boggy. So I about to change my system. And it was just about, about finishing the season off as strong as we could. And we finished it off fairly strong I think we finished higher than they'd finished a year before by three or four places more points and it was a stop start I had a lot to do here um, if I'm being honest and then obviously the board have been magnificent and um, they want promotion and I shy away a lot of managers will be like oh yeah we want to finish as high as we can I just say how it is we want promotion um, we, we, we minimum playoffs and um, I brought the squad in that can achieve that um, but we had a lot of injuries and, and, and that's what happened in pre-season, pre-season, beginning season and we started very slowly, um, we started poorly, let's get that right and um, the board had faith in me, I know what I'm about, I know what I can do and um, to be honest, um, yeah the fans, they was on my back, rightly so, Probably after the second week of the season they were very disappointed with what was going on um, but if I need to make a change, I'll make a change and I don't shy away from anything. Um, if it's for the good of the group and the club, I'm, 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 I'll just make that change. And, and um, yeah, things have turned around once we start getting the players back, if I'm being honest. We haven't changed my philosophy, we haven't changed the way that I want to play. And yeah, it was just a case about getting the boys back in, getting them up to match fitness and, and start showing our quality. Yeah, I mean, the injuries can have a toll at any level of football, can't they? Yeah. But particularly at the non-league level, yeah. uh, when squads are smaller. I think looking at your squad at the beginning of the season, I, I feel it was one of the stronger ones in the mm. league. And as you say, form's turning around now. Yeah. That's six undefeated at home, five yeah. wins and a draw. Yeah. Um, six points off the playoff. Is this where your season really begins? Yeah, look, look we all know that the season isn't one in August or September, or even October for that matter. But you've got to be up there in and around it. Um, point-wise, to, to to have a good go at it in the winter months, and and and, and that's when the league starts sorting itself out. Is from round about now, going into November, December, and January, February. So yeah, we, we've we've got momentum now behind us. Uh, we've got the quality that's ready on the pitch. Um, I, I thought Saturday was was probably our our most dogged performance. Yeah, we beat Harlow seven 0 um, it was just they just had a really bad day. We played well and they played poorly. So I mean, I think we we hit went in the back of the net. If I'm being totally honest, and I, I felt that Saturday against um, Lewis was a, was a massive massive point. We, we, sorry, three points where we went down to ten men, 35 minutes, and um, they've scored in the first minute of the second half. Showed character and set ourselves back up and got him back into our, um, our shape and our rhythm and, and I thought we were the better team with 10 men in the second half and we've got our just rewards and towards the end of the game with the winner. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I don't want us to be up in the top top five for playoffs. That's what it's all about for me. Absolutely. Um, thanks very much for your time. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank Cheers. You. Cheers. Thank you. That was Kingstonian manager Lee Dining and that is the podcast for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Chris, thanks for joining us. Cheers, Luke. I've been Luke Edwards. Don't forget to follow us on at NLFullTime on Twitter and also on Facebook. You can get in touch with us as well, nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, we shall see you all very soon.